Welcome to the Mad Trio Podcast. This week, we have the California Pariah, Jonathan Charney, James, the Fat Man, Stevens, Ryan, who the hell is that, Preston, and the old guy, Rob. Hey, it's another day. So We survived. <laughs> yeah, we have. So the, Unless the, you live in California where the governor came out and said almost every county in California is now in the purple tier. Yeah, uh, hide your wife, Newsom. What's the, what's the purple tier? Here. That's the highest. That's the highest level. We're, we've gone back to the most extreme lockdown. For 94 percent of the population of California is going to fall within that purple tier, which is the highest level of lockdown. Can Can I ask you all wow. a, a, a question? When George Bush came up with that wacky color coded system for terrorism, everybody complained. Why is nobody complaining about the odd color? Oh code no, they system? are. They oh, are. There's about a it. lot of people. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, we grow up knowing red is stop. Red should be the the hottest, right? No, in this case, it's not. Orange is hotter than red. When did that happen? The Ron White, the comedian, has a perfect joke for the um, for the color code of Bush's system. He said there should be two of them. Put on the helmet. And take off the helmet, you know. So yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> so I, I'm going to do a couple of things that kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, piss me off. I don't know somebody listening if we have any fans. Me coughing probably pisses you off. Um, That's so me. I have a vintage, <laughs> right? I have me to it, Rob. I have I have a vintage record player. It's a Technics SL1700. Techniques. Um, and you know, and and so what happened is my my little my little boy wants to be like dad. Wanted to play a record, and he smashed the needle in the cartridge on the turntable and broke, um, not the turntable because that still works, but completely destroyed the cartridge. That's the thing on the end of the tone arm. And I'm a member of a bunch of vintage, um, Facebook groups because I'm always interested in technology, old technology, new technology. So I put out a message on there going, okay, guys, um. This is what I have. How, what do you recommend to stopping a, a, a little kid from opening up and playing with it? Because it, it didn't work when I was a kid. And apparently it doesn't, you know, uh, doing, hey, don't do that works for my son. I, apparently like father, like son. And No way. And so. Can you believe that? So a couple of people had really good solutions. You know, you could modify the body by putting latches and Velcro. And then you had people who were serious, you know, saying like, you know, you're a shitty father. You need to give up your son. And just all these, some of them were joking, <laughs> but some of them were legitimately like somebody actually said. Hey, you said, put yourself out there, dude. Well, I know, but this, this, this goes, <laughs> the to, internet, this man. goes against my thread. Somebody actually said, I, I caught my kid shoving a, 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 a peanut butter and jelly sandwich into my VCR. So I strangled <laughs> puppy in front of them oh and i i don't know if that was kidding or not but here's here's my thing this is kind of like i'm kind of tired of the internet my rant lately is i think it's time to disconnect because i was on a, a reddit post a while ago talking about media bias on how the old guy grew up in santa monica kind of the height of the 60s counterculture in 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 that area and one of the things i grew up with and he got out of that was, you know, question everything. You've got bias. Media has bias. You know, what's, what's, what's actually happening? And I mentioned to it and people were giving me shit over it. It's like you know, the problem with a lot of people nowadays, especially in my opinion, the left, they don't see where their bias is because as a conservative, I see it all the time. And so it's, it's this, this whole, all of a sudden, everybody is a monolithic a group, you know, all Republicans are this way, all Democrats are this way, and it seems like very few nowadays. I get anybody like us who are actually realizing. Hey, Trying to get back to the middle, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like yeah. everything shades of gray. Like, like Ryan, 
you know, I think Ryan and I politically are closer than, 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 <laughs> than Ryan and James, but at least we can meet in the middle and say, no, I think you're full of shit, you know, and just and get on with the day. But nobody can do that nowadays. And it, it's, both it's full of shit. Yeah. Part of it is that I, I'm able to disagree with you without you getting your feelings hurt and vice versa. Like it has nothing to do with you as a person. Oh, you should see you him know, cry. Oh, he's got a, we got a box of tissues here where he's got to wipe his eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, it's, it's, I'm a, I'm just tearing a box of tissues crying like I'm watching Steel Magnolias. I'm sorry, you were trying to be genuine, and I stepped on you. No, no, no. I, I mean, but really, though, like, that's the thing is that we can joke, and, and I was even going to make a joke of uh, have, have you considered that you are actually a terrible father? I mean, I just didn't know if it was something you thought about. So, Knowing that I can make that joke, and it's not, he's not going to think that I'm being serious or, or things like that, but you don't attach Ryan, your personality yeah, you don't attach your personality to your politics. I don't mind, you know, that my politics are not me. That's just the way I prefer to be governed. Well, I would say, isn't there politics, though, to some degree, your worldview? No, not really. My my worldview can be different from my politics. It's, they're not mutually uh, exclusive, but they're, they're not the same thing either. Because I, I was, you know, because I've been kind of bothered this for a while. I see this is the first time I've been tacked like that on Facebook, just on a, on a group of people who are into vintage, vintage audio like I am. you got to do it more often. I mean, it's... And it's just like... <laughs> it's just, just more people off. You'll get more viewers. Oh, I can easily... <laughs> I learned from the master. I took in a master class by James on how uh, to piss people off. It's It's... Now that I know how to do it, it's really easy. Oh no, I just extremely easy. It's, it's. I've watched Pete. I've watched James play people like a fiddle. Um, it just. I don't know. I don't. I don't really under understand. I I had all that thread of majestic. That was amazing. Oh, I'm pretty sure he threw John into an epileptic fit. The end of it was the greatest part because everything James said actually had. A, a legitimate argument, but John couldn't actually fight it. And the, know, en- the end of the conversation, just because it was hilarious, is okay. Prove that Michelle Obama isn't a man, <laughs> and it was hundred percent. And in the in the thread of James's conversation, it made sense. And, 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 and John just said, and so it was. It was one of those things that was. God it, bless Majestic, and may he rest in peace. He worked himself into the own in, uh, in that corner all by himself. It, yeah, I, and it wouldn't have been I the first time either. Yeah, <laughs> like yet, I said, God bless him. But this is just this is just me, I, kind of. I'm sorry, James. I, I just want to finish. I would up like to say that I have nothing against him other than he is wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm okay to let him be that way. For uh, okay. you know, f- over 40 years, I've been telling him that. And he, <laughs> <laughs> never listened to me. <laughs> but other than that, I don't have any problem with the guy. Yeah. Not one bit. Yeah. Anyways. I just. Go on your tirade, John, about being wrong. He's he's happy. He's now on the public dole. He works for the state of California. He's got everything he wants. Now he's getting going to get his PERS retirement. And he's got oh, his nice not... cushy. He's hardly working, you know, and he's getting a nice cushy check. So he's doing good. I, I'll, I'll refrain from my last thought on that one. Um. It, I, it perfectly fits him to go work for the government after the, all the stuff that we went through, but that's another story. Um, another story, another day. I just, 
I, it is funny considering the 60s, but I, I, I'm i just kind of tired of the way the real world is because it seems to bleed in. And that's the reason I think I'm kind of annoyed at it is because the Karen phenomenon used to be something that you would read online. And it was just minor interactions. And now you get people who are their real world, their, their online persona and their in real life persona are the same thing. You got the same level of dickishness. Because um, if I when I was a kid, if I treated anybody that way, I would have gotten a whooping. Or I well, would have been taken it is, aside. It's, it's self-righteousness. It's the, yeah. I'm right and everyone else is wrong. I'm smart and everyone else is stupid. And it's, if you start an interaction or an argument or a disagreement like that, the other side has no chance. You know, this this comes down to the don't argue with stupid people. They'll, they'll drag you down to their uh, level and beat you with experience. Glad you didn't butcher that quote up. Good job. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm stupid. Well, you were close to butchering it, but you fixed it, so I was proud of you. He 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 got it. I don't know. It cut out on my end. I'm yeah. not sure that he got it right. <laughs> that sound, it sounded right to me. I, I heard it all. My okay. my my anyway. phone auto censored him. Yeah. So it just I don't know. It just seems like there's no level of corn. I know it's a conversation we've had before, but that really be, that really pissed me off because it's like I, I get it. You can totally say, hey, I should have done better. Some people said you need, you know, like, raise it up. It's like, I, I, I agree. I screwed up. It wasn't my son's fault. I gave him access to something, and he took that access. So, you know, you know. Um, but it, it just was annoying that that was people's automatic thing. So you're just a shitty father. It's like, how about the fact that I don't place a value on my record player like I do my son? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. That's just, that really bothered me. Yeah. Uh, okay. my, uh, my buddy, uh, just got a new, a new house. Uh, and you know, they're him and his wife talking about, uh, you know, having kids one day and all that kind of stuff. And they just got a new dog, beautiful little Rottweiler puppy. Oh, um, great. but, uh, you know, Everyone, everyone has such as their own, their own kind of style to, to do in those sorts of things. Uh, you know, he was saying like, oh yeah, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And you might see a behavior in the dog that you might not let slide, but your friend lets slide, you know? And that's, uh, we it somehow came up with a conversation, but I told him, I was like, look, you know what? There's, and he's like one of my best friends in the world. I was like, dude, there's two things you will never hear me give you advice about, uh, <laughs> like how to raise your kids and how to treat your dog, you know, unless you like beat either one of them, then I'd be like, Hey, at least wait till I'm not around. There's, there's the, there's the king of pragmatism right there. I, I mean, yeah, but, but really, though, right? like, see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, you know, not my place to, to really judge either one of those, those, those sorts of things. And everyone's got their own, sort of style no matter who you are i've realized as a as a i'm not a parent myself but what i've realized about parents is no matter who you are no matter what you do you will do something that will irrevocably be irrevocably fuck up your kid yeah you know like there there will be something that you do and you'll say to yourself or not like like oh maybe that's uh maybe that's gonna come and bite me the ass later on (laughs) there's i've i've spent an extraordinary amount of time thinking about that um 
and between thinking about people who I know that were father figures in my life and, and my dad who was, was probably nicer to me than I deserved. Um, this is, this is, this is me sucking up. Thinking about the things that stick and didn't something that your dad did that was super innocuous to him stuck in your mind. Oh yeah. Something that he thought this is a teachable moment and this is going to be one of those defining things was in one ear out the other. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've had some of those lately, but my son's three, so it's a little hard to make them stick. Yeah, how often that happens. Sure. Um, <laughs> but the, every, every good father I know has, has kind of the same thought is, is at least from my experiences in the back of their mind, they're always wondering, am I a bad father? Cause a, cause at least sure. you're recognizing, okay, I have potential. I've known people who think I'm really good fathers. And the fact they have kids is like, eh, maybe CPS shouldn't be involved. Bill Cosby. <laughs> Ugh. No, just as long as you're not around there, you know, like say you're your adult daughter, you're fine. Um, just don't eat the jello. <laughs> this is true. Um, I could have gone all year without hearing that, hearing that guy's name. Yep. <laughs> I know. I, I was, I was, I was. Well, you know what? <clears throat> We're almost done. <laughs> yeah. Almost. You spoiled it. Add shit into the, into the end of this year that yeah, we can. Yeah, thanks, James. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so let's, let's just add to the list. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't don't take anything from Bill Cosby. Yeah, don't don't mention his name. It's, it's not <laughs> no, worth the you, effort. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, pack all of the bad shit we can think of into the end of this year. So that way, it's, there, it's, it's the only way to go but up. There you go. So we'll, well de- every show we have to pack a bunch of bullshit in. Well, depending on your political opinion, it's already happened. So Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we can totally go off topic for a second. We um, have topics? You pick some and you just rant about it for like 20 minutes and we just sit here and go, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm but, good um, with that. All right, anyways, you're up, James. Go. <laughs> Hurry up. I figured quick. I'd cut it off at 18 minutes of that rant, John. So, um, it wasn't 18 minutes, Bethesda, sorry. Bethesda's sitting there saying that, you know, they've become part of Microsoft. Microsoft wants them not to be exclusive to them, but they want to be first. Well, that makes sense. And, well, here, let me pull up their actual quote. Now I'm going to cut down part of this because what they wrote or what they said doesn't really make sense, but they just kind of did some double wording that really was kind of stupid and doesn't make sense. But in the long run, this is part of their quote, in the long run, to be either first or better or best or pick your different differentiated experience on our platforms. So that's what they want for Microsoft. They don't want to cut it out of out of Sony or Nintendo or PC or anything else, but they want to either be first, better, or best, or pick your differentiated experience. I'm like, so you're saying you want exclusive rights to it and to have specific content that isn't available on other platforms with that specific game. That's that, what it sounds like to me. Is that what is that what you hear? Yeah, and, but that's, that's what I'm <clears throat> but that's also not super. Um, no, that, that's not super, not super weird, uncommon. But, uncommon. Yeah, but I'm just kind of like, and it's also it, not as greedy as they kind of have a right to be now. I yeah, I, I think so I'm just like, why did you just say that we want to have it to where we have 
almost exclusive rights instead of just some vague, weird wording. Because I think with, with Microsoft's history of running into government bodies, they have to be very careful on how things are worded because it, because especially right now with everybody worldwide wanting to break up tech companies, um, a la Google, Facebook, etc., they have to be careful. So I think that was perfectly lawyerly worded, you know, basically saying, you know, and what they said. You know, if they want, you know, because uh, video games in the past have had PS5 exclusive, PlayStation exclusive, Xbox exclusives. And I think yeah. they're 100% right saying, okay, this is going to come to the Xbox for the first couple of months and then release on the PlayStation and you can get it on whatever PC you want. Well, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, like, so remember with um, Oblivion, there was a lot of stuff that came out for PC exclusively first. Yeah. Before it was released to uh, the 360, mainly like the wizard's tower. Um, I don't think horse was horse armor on PC first. And then it came over. I think they all were because back then it was a PC game that was ported. The oblivion specifically was a PC game ported to the Xbox and the controls worked like that because you were in a menu hell for a long time. Um, Yeah. And and when they came out with um, what you call it the uh, the Skyrim, it was a PC, it was a console game that was ported to the the computer. So the controls yeah. were different, the menus were simpler. Yeah, but um, no, I th- I thought the way they they did it for Xbox was pretty good. The 360 when they switched it over from PC to to console, but. <clears throat> there was still like a bunch of stuff that I was kind of like, well, I kind of wish I had that, but then, you know, I, I made my own workarounds and I kind of enjoyed that. And then when they did mods for Skyrim, it was like, it, it basically flooded the game and ruined the experience for me. Like actually literally I couldn't go into part of my castle literally ruined because I put a mod in there and then I couldn't get rid of the mod because I would have lost a bunch of shit. So really screwed me over but that's but, but that's that that has always is original a pc gamer that was always the issue with with mods because they were never vetted they were never they were always at your own risk so that was always the thing that that's why when i selected mods and i still do i'm always looking for stuff that seems to be you know low rent low headroom something that's not like a giant castle you know something that that wits that works within my playing style but it's also not going to screw me and i've had tremendous luck minus a few things with doing it that way anyway yeah i've um, had the trial and error that kind of stuff for a while myself but i had played the damn thing six fucking times before (laughs) before i actually did it and I, I like the fact video games have mods now, especially on like the consoles, because that was the one thing I think that was the major separator between the two. And, and so I, I do I do like that. And so we're going to switch to something completely random, and it's just another... This is actually a Time.com article. When's the last time you read something from Time? Um, here's, here's the article. 90 farting cows starts fire in Germany. Farts are the funniest thing in the world, Louis C.K. once told Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. You don't have to be smart to laugh at a fart, he said, but you have to be stupid not to. So that makes me feel better about laughing at the fact that a group of 90 cows started a fire when their farts at a German dairy, uh, with their farts at a German dairy farm. Methane gas emitted from the flatulent animals exploded in one of the farm's sheds, damaging the structure's roof. Not the first time that there have been news reports about blowing up cows blowing 
That so was that how the Chicago fire started. I, you know, when the Kel kicked it over, I don't know, maybe Farted a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> hey, just uh, it scared the fart out of it. Yeah, probably did. I, who knows? It's uh, <laughs> so uh, so I'm well, I'm that's uh, a joke for people. Yeah, with oh. with, the, with Christmas coming up here, I'm gonna get off farts because no, I, I had something else, but you got to top it. I'll... I uh, you know, I always look <clears> for you know unique and great gifts and. I was looking through Costco, and Costco's got this new membership. And I really had to take a double take on this because it literally is a private jet membership. So they, they have this program for $17,499.99 for a one-year membership. Uh, it's a holiday gift idea where you get to be part of this private jet membership club and uh, you can book flights uh, when you need to go fly wherever you need to go fly during these COVID times in a private jet instead of going in a How much is private, it again? And uh, $17,499.99. For a year membership? For a one-year membership. Damn. So I'm hoping that maybe I'll I'll put that out to a bunch of friends and one of them will get it. Yeah, we can we can uh, go in it a hundred ways. Yeah. No, what you should do is we, we got to make this a stunt. So there's got to be like Rob will do this if you get him this much money. You if know, give me this much money, I will buy this Costco membership. No, no, so you, you you don't tell them that. What you do is you say get a card with an airplane on it. If you say. If you give Rob this much, he'll eat the world's hottest pepper. Nope, that you know, won't something, happen. You know, something over the top and ridiculous, you know? Because uh, I think that's the only way I, you I can... just couldn't believe it. I had to look at it, and it is one of these uh, country year style, uh, you know... Actually, I'm not sure what the hottest pepper is these days. Is it the scorpion? I think so. No, it's definitely not the scorpion, and it's not the ghost pepper either. So something um, like the reaper? It might be the ghost or the reaper. I don't... I think Carolina Reaper was put put back a little bit. I so, thought so too, but it definitely wasn't the Scorpion because I think no, the no. Carolina Reaper beat out the Scorpion nope, beforehand. Yep, it's still, uh, no, yeah, the Scorpion is a uh, 2,009,000 Reaper is still 2.2 million. So, and that's the 2020 update. So, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was the Scorpion or the Reaper, but yeah, it's, uh, it's still the carolina reaper interesting damn that's ridiculous are you ready yeah absolutely (laughs) so i got something i didn't (laughs) so everybody knows that sony made betamax can you tell me which company made vhs because i recently learned this sony made betamax So without Googling, do you want to hear what it is? Yeah, sure. It was developed by the Victor Company Company of of Japan, Japan. or JVC. Oh, fucking JVC. I remember that now. See, I always thought JVC was a shitty nameplate like like RCA. I didn't realize. It stood for Victor Company? Well, not only that. I didn't realize they were that influent. they, They basically created the home a standard for home video viewing that went worldwide. The, the Japanese were in were in the forefront of, of videotaping. Uh, they led the way. 
I mean, between Sony and and uh, JVC yeah. and a number of other Japanese companies that at the moment I can't remember their names. They they were they were quite the leaders in all of this. Well, I mean, they they did make Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. I mean, I mean that that changed the gaming platform by a lot. That was basically what yeah reinvented it entirely. The, the, Every everybody yeah. was about ready to give up on video games. They yeah. were. I would say they were the most. Yeah, I guess the most successful. Because I wonder what it and, was. Wonder what Nintendo what was different. I actually don't. And know on top of that. You even have to look at what they did with the fighting games, because I mean, the Japanese were also the ones who made Street Fighter, which basically changed all of player versus player content forever. Was to fight each other like that, and then that you know that took off, and that's still a big thing to this day. I mean, there's tournaments worldwide where you know you make a career out of it. Yeah, but but there's still people. I mean, that came from the Japanese too, and that was that was a big entertainment jump for the gaming consoles. That's true. I, I, I wonder mean, huge. I wonder what was about, and I actually don't know the answer to this, and I'm not quite sure if Rob even cares. But I wonder what about the Nintendo we, Entertainment we lost System Rob a while ago. I wonder what. <laughs> not really. I'm. Still I, here. I I wonder what what was it about the the Famicom or the NES that actually that finally won over because you know Atari. Atari was at least in the United States with the Pong, their home Pong system. They hit it big in the United States. You had the Atari 2600. They were doing good. Because there were things like the ColecoVision. There were other ones, but never really hit it off. And you hit NES. Then it went everywhere. Like, if you watch any TV shows from the 80s that would some degree that were children friendly, there was an NES in there um, in the background. I think think as as gaming matured and changed... Uh, you got to remember, we came out of the the world of Pong, right? <laughs> that was that was like when we first saw the Pong game. People went, "Oh my god, that's just incredible!" And yeah, Pong uh, was pretty fun, though. Yeah. So, do you think but it was? That's, the- I think that that was the one that really started blasting. Hey, look, there's a market for these things, and once there's a market and there's a money trail. <laughs> Everything else follows. So you think it was a case of it was just the right timing, right place, you know, because... I, I believe it. So I back in the... Oh God, I hate dating myself like this. <laughs> John's looking for the way back drop there. Uh, probably about 1967, 66. Got an opportunity to... This is, this is when we're first starting to learn a little bit about programming and computers. Got an opportunity to go to... IBM's headquarters in Los Angeles, and they were actually inventing a game. They were playing with games back then, believe it or not, that centered around a tank. It looked like a tank that had a turret on it, and it and it shot a rocket out of the turret to hit a star, and it would go in just a circular motion. Hmm. And and th- they were just getting used to trying to figure out how to you know, control it, how to make it do whatever it was doing. Um, so in the early 60s, you had uh, you had all these people trying to invent these these games because they felt that there was a market that would catch on. And by golly, they weren't wrong. It took um, the invention of the mouse, really, to start getting gaming forward because if you think about it, a game controller in, a, in many respects is just a reverse mouse. It, you know, it's a ball that you're rolling around. Didn't arcade games like Galaga and all that come 
before or was that stuff or was that actually after a mouse yeah oh no that was after so uh and, and that so an ability to get xy coordinates uh to kind of work together to make it a smooth transition that was a that was a major breakthrough i, I know it sounds funny to think that something is as lonely as the little old mouse uh that uh that was actually a very big breakthrough breakthrough well, what's funny is that that's still in most people's minds. Um, any realistic console gamer or any PC gamer will tell you that it's still superior to any console controller. Yeah. Let's see. Well, <clears throat> far as on keyboard and mouse, if you want to talk about actually timing, that's why I like all the professional gamers, like quote-unquote professional gamers, most of them for speed, they all use piece, uh, keyboards and mouse because the precision's there. So... Yeah. So here's, according to the bastion of all knowledge, Wikipedia, the earliest known written use of the term mouse is in reference to a computer pointing device in Bill English's July 65 publication, Computer Aided Design Control. Mm-hmm. And let's see, where's, oh, by the way, the plural for, for the smallest rodent is always mice. <laughs> uh, see, also see Oxford Dictionary, da, da, da. So apparently it was in six, uh, yeah, it was 60s. I guess there was a patent for a device. And 47, so you're right, it did come, mm-hmm. so the mouse did come first, because, like, you know, you're, I was thinking about when I asked, after I asked that, that it's the X, Y, and Z coordinates. It's within that, the, mm-hmm. the 3D space that they have to be able to calculate everything. Right. It was a major breakthrough. It really was. And, uh, you know, not seeing anything, not growing up with that, per se. I mean, it was a, I was still pretty young, but still, it was just a wow. <laughs> it was really a wow uh, moment. I still, I don't think kids nowadays would have the same reaction to arcades like our generation and past. Because I remember there was a place near us called Sam's Town, and they, this this place had some old games. They were old school, probably 70s. And by the way, for, for video games, and, and especially like stand-up arcade machines, 70s is pretty old. 70s, 80s, kind of the early Galaga machines. And it's still that that playing with a joystick, and, and those were really... Those were a blast. And because nowadays you get like the actual consoles, you have like the Xbox Series X, which is just supposed to be amazing. It still to me doesn't have the fun of the arcade. And I think that's the same thing. I know this is a tangent, but I was thinking about this. It's the same thing where I like movie theaters and specifically film theaters because it's the, the sight, the sound, it's that communal experience that I think is missing. Well, it certainly is under COVID. <laughs> well, but because yeah, and I and I think people are realizing, you know, the uh, the benefits of those things. Like, oh, I didn't realize how much I missed the movies until I couldn't fucking go anymore. Right. So I was I was talking to a gentleman online who sold, who sells um vent who sells uh, uh film projectors, and his comment was modern and and today's film. All film projectors is dead. Nobody uses film projectors except like old school vintage or like boutique um, theaters. Everybody's digital. Um, and he was mentioned the only film you can get now is uh, 35 millimeter archival film. He said, which you're banned to splice. So he's saying, and, and, when, and so that in that case, what you have to do is you have to have two film projectors, two film uh, projectionists who know how to actually use the equipment. So it was interesting him talking about how it's changed so much. 
And this all started out saying his company threw out three 70 millimeter projectors before Hateful Eight. Because if, if anybody doesn't know, um, they were buying as many 70 millimeter projectors as they could because how rare that format is. So they were trying to give people the experience of watching the film with a true 70 millimeter projector because Tarantino's a nut like that. Okay. I, I, you know what you got me thinking about when we were talking about all these games and all that actually was um, pinball machines. Gambling. for Well. <laughs> Sorry, no, they, they were actually banned for a while because of gambling. Sorry, it's... it's, it's yeah, well, no, but I'm, I started thinking about, you know, where, where did gaming really start and what was the excitement of it, and particularly going to arcades or um, pool halls or whatever it may have been at the time, or bowling alleys. There was always pinball machines out there, and during the downtimes or whatever, you went over and you played pinball for quite a while. And uh, I think that started a lot of this uh, whole physiological idea of gaming by the fact that you're you're hitting these flappers and they're you have a reaction to a ball going and it, it you know and you're actually making the interaction going with it and I I think that's what led into these the rest of the arcade games like what about like yeah and, and they were themed you know people had their uh, their their favorite you know one like even people who just like the mechanics of this of this game you know, still had their like, oh no, I like the, the monsters one. Oh no, I'm a big oh, Star Trek. Uh, absolutely. And that's still going know, on today, today. I mean, yeah. that, you know, there's still people that, you know, have machines that they, they absolutely love. They love the way it played, the way it rolled, the way, you know, yeah. way all that stuff was. And so I just wish you, there was a place you could actually play like all these, are, are these arcade games and pinball games. Um, the only one I know of, and I don't even know if they're still around, especially after COVID, was allegedly there's this place called Dave & Buster's. I've never been to one. I have no idea how big they are, but I've seen commercials Did for Did you just them. say allegedly there's this place called Dave & Buster's? Hey, I've never been to one. I don't know where one is in my local area, if there is one. So there was one in, in the fucking middle of nowhere. Well, yes, uh, they're, they're well, quite popular. But I also know that saying allegedly would irk you. So <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> allegedly it'll irk him because it, well, it, 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 it's basically adult Chuck E. Cheese is what it is. I hope they, I hope they have go. better pizza. Oh, because um, now <laughs> that's hilarious. Right, so that's the only allegedly play- they do. <laughs> Well, the question you know, is, well, I, I've, I've, I've walked into one Dave and Buster's and realized like, this is the douchiest fucking place that I can imagine aside from fucking Hooters. <laughs> oh, but Hooters is a family restaurant. And according to women, I know they're more dressed at Hooters than they are the, the customers at your David Buster's. You know, yeah, it's... well, yeah, Dave and Buster's, it's like if you wanted to go to an arcade and have frat boys try to kick you off your game. Yeah. That sounds horrible, actually. <laughs> so much for wanting to go over that. It's I like, always found bowling alleys to be the most fun for arcade machines. They, they in, yeah. back in the day, they that was, you know, it was bowling alleys, and then there was the arcade section, and they did they did pretty good. Man, the last bowling alley I went into was near us, and I got sick going in there. Well, I, I just like walking in. I, you I, know, again, here's another that. business that's probably going to completely disappear under COVID is bowling alleys. Yeah, bowling alleys and uh, bars. Yeah. Bowling alleys and bars. You may be you may be right about that. Well, I was so I I guess see I was thinking about I don't necessarily think that's a 
I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing because I guess what is the, the 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 bars that can come up with a good gimmick will stay around. There's there's always something like um, I know a guy who owns a bar and they had they there was no little gimmick they could use that would keep them open because some places if you served food so people so the restaurants in New York that were serving popcorn because technically it was food so you get a, you you buy a bag of popcorn and get a drink. Yeah, there's there's places that definitely have adapted, you know, and and fucking bless the folks who can't, you know what I mean? And and then there's some where it's just, you know, what you don't have you kind of banked on your regulars and you know, things like that or, or Exactly. You yep. know, people yep. who, who own or run restaurants, James can can speak to this with some authority here. Uh <clears throat> It, you're walking a razor thin edge as it fucking is even before COVID, you know, I mean, how many restaurants open and fail in the first year? I mean, the, 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 yeah. the percentage has to be staggering. Oh, but you want to, it is, it's like, uh, over 50% fail within the first year. And I, I was just thinking about, years, sorry. sorry, about some of the gimmicks that were around when COVID first be. happened, there were some of these restaurants that would, okay, you get it. Like, so you could get, what was it? You buy a meal, you can take your margarita go, to go and they would give you like a to-go container with a margarita in it. Like you're going to sit down and drive with it. And I'm thinking about that. And for a while you'd see all these commercials or you'd hear all these commercials on the radio, you know, get a steak, get a margarita or your, your, your drink to go. And I was thinking how many people now are going to, you know, do the sip because it looks like a Coke. It's not in some sort of sealed can. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the Texas drug container stores. Yeah, look, actually, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Because ABC, the alcoholic beverage control has, uh, and the laws have so what's defined an open, an open beverage container would technically, could that be illegal? You get a steak and you get a margarita to go. Um, and if you have it in your cut in your, 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 your cup, if you're putting it like in a sippy cup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's open container. So, cause I've well, seen, you know, I don't know if you guys do a lot of Postmates or, or Uber Eats or stuff like that, but um, a lot of the times, and I'm sure the, the bars and things like that are doing a version of this. They'll put some sort of a tape over the, the, the mouth of the lid or where the straw goes through, um, uh, you know, so I, it's sealed you know, in some way. In, in some way. So, yeah. like, if you get, I'm, I'm imagining this This would be the thing that I would do if I was a bar. It's like, hey, look, I'll seal this up. So, if you get pulled over, you could be like, oh, look, hell, no, the bar put this on there. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, once you leave my spot, it's on you what happens after that. Yeah. They should get some, like, police tape, you know, police line, do not cross. <laughs> there you go. Caution. No, but actually, yeah. that's a right, good it makes yeah. sense. I mean, you know, don't put the straw in, right? So, it's a sealed lid. You put some kind of sealed tape thing over it and. What's the difference between that and the tin foil over a, you know, bottle of wine or something? I, you know, I don't. Yeah. Know, right. Well, because I, I was, uh, that's I, that's got to be how they're doing it. Because I never do it. I never did it because I couldn't tell you the last time I ordered. A, actually, no, I almost never order alcoholic drinks from restaurants. Just never do. Um, I just recently. Well, we don't get a lot of delivery. I mean, you know, Grubhub's yeah. about the only thing that comes around. I've never done it. I've you always wanted. You can get Grubhub there. Hey, you know, I, yeah, I can you I can. I learned something about why so many restaurants aren't signing up for Grubhub. You know, they get thirty percent. I do. So they Grubhub take, does. Yeah, they take yep. the apple. Holy shit! It's no the apple kidding. Cut. I heard that yeah. and I went, "Well, that made a lot of sense." No wonder that a lot of restaurants won't do Grubhub. Well, what they yeah, should I mean, do is, but you know what they they've got they've got this unbelievable bargaining chip right now. It's like, hey, do you do you want 
you know, 70% of something or oh, yeah. 100% of nothing. Well, I, I, I don't disagree <laughs> with you, but still, it's just so, like, but, the, but, but, but when you have a profit margin of 5%, or ten percent. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Could you could you do Grubhub pricing where you just raise your price by thirty percent to make it for the loss? And a lot of people do that, man. Probably. You know, you go to two different websites, you'll go to Postmates and then go to Uber, look at the same place, and they've got two different prices. Because that's the only you way know, you um, can. And is it easy to sign up for for a restaurant? Oh yeah, yeah very easy. Is yeah, it? very very easy. Yeah, you just basically plug your menu in there. They they make it pretty, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, add your stuff here, upload your pictures, and, you know, yeah. go for it. They negotiate the, uh, you know, the cost and all that, and they just add your hmm. – there you are. You show up, and you get an order that shows up through the Internet, shows up on your screen. Um, you just make the food and package it up to go, and some fucking douche rolls <laughs> over an hour later and picks it up. Man, this sounds like it's I, – I know at one time almost every, uh, you know, McDonald's and – Jack in the Box and Taco Bell and all signed up with Grubhub. I don't know if they still are or not, but that was get your yeah. fast food. Yeah, yeah. Man, if I was if I was a person who did catering outside of my home or within a business, and I was the only person who was cooking, sounds like you could make a a fortune right now if you did it right. Because you you have you have Uber Eats. You you know you make all this yeah. amazing food and do it. I mean, it sounds like you could actually make well, it pretty if you good. Could, you know, that's the old thing about. Uh, you know, if you can get traction somehow, in other words, you know, you get written up in a magazine or whatever it may be, that's all it takes to catch something like that on fire a little bit. But it's tough. It's well, tough. It'd have to be somebody who did outside of their home or one of these people like, who live above a kitchen. You know, it's like, like a James gets a Michelin star over at the greenhouse, you know. <laughs> next thing you know, you got James going out with all the Grubhub stuff. Well, and, uh, James, is, James will probably get a big old tire, you know, <laughs> award. I think we lost James, actually, James, are you there? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was listening. <laughs> he fell asleep um, for a minute. He fell asleep. Well, I know he did. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're kind of running out of topics, but I did find something as I've been looking at old technology. I found a 20 cassette uh, changer online out of YouTube channel. So basically imagine, imagine it, it looks like a turntable. It's all round, and there's 20 <laughs> slots. There's 20 slots for cassettes, and on the, the, the right side of it, you basically, you can, you can hit play. It'll play all 20 cassettes, both sides, or you select the cassette you want. It'll rotate that cassette through the slot, drop it down, and play both sides. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's a... How much are they charging for that? Well, this... That's what I'm curious about. Like, how much was this new... I bet it was super expensive. Obviously, it wasn't that popular because I've never heard of this. I mean, it was probably for so. Um, I don't, there were a number George of companies Burns or somebody. I don't yeah, know. It, there were a number of companies that came out with multiple cassette players, and it started with you know the two, the two cassette players, and then you would get the cartridge units where there'd be four cassette that you can put in this cartridge that you put into. Were they popular? Because I've never seen them well, even in used stores. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised they, they exist, but I've never fucking seen one. Yeah. Uh, Me neither, yeah. Well, so a couple things. One is they weren't cheap from what I remember because oh, I, never, I never bought one. Uh, By the so, way, f folks, if, if, if the old guy didn't bother buy one, <laughs> there may not have been yeah, for the normal probably audience. probably not, right? Um but but the biggest problem always with cassettes is the mechanisms always were eating the tapes. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you know, unless you duped, one of the first things we would do is you'd buy a new cassette, you'd dupe it, get to, you know, have a, a duplicate because you knew you were going to stick it in the machine and it was going to eat the damn tape right up. I mean, it was just. Oh, yeah, yeah, but shit, how, how good were we all at freaking rolling that damn tape back up? You know? <laughs> What's a pencil for? Oh, it's right with a pencil. Like, <laughs> that's right. So you. It's confusing kids with a, with a cassette tape and a pencil. <laughs> So yeah, that's okay. Let them blow their minds. Pencil. pencil. What's a pencil got to do with it? You really there, want... when you figure out what a pencil and a cassette tape have, come back and talk to me. You really <laughs> want to screw them? Wait till you if they show a forty-five adapter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, um, no. oh wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got okay. a perfect story about the forty-five adapter. I'm not kidding you. I was at a store, and this was a few years ago. There was a young lady, uh, checking me out. And she had on a chain a 45 adapter, right? I swear to God. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. You've got a 45 adapter. And she says, what are you talking about? And I said, your, <laughs> your, your little thing that you got on your chain. Of the... So, no, 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 no. That's a Celtic. Th- I don't know. She went off of some kind of Celtic. You know, and it was like, no, no, no. That's a 45 adapter. She had no idea what she was wearing. She had no idea. She thought it was some Celtic. Yes, like a Celtic. Celtic I don't know what she. Yeah, I she thought it was some. This co- in the ground. It is so ancient. It must be Celtic. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was you know. Oh, the symbol it's is you know. Find. Yeah, she she went off about the symbol meaning something and all this and you know. And I, I mean, oh, look, I, I, to I, be I, fair, it does look quite relicky. It, it, you know, okay, however, it can. You know, yeah, if, if you're that. If you're that fucking guy or girl who goes to a tattoo place and just gets some random fucking Asian lettering on you, have no idea what it exactly. Means. That's on you when it says "suck a dick." Yeah, you know? exactly. When you don't know what the kanji really means, it's literally on you. Yes, it's literally yeah. on you. That's right. It's it it, it says insert right, anyway. here. Um, I I got a little excited about so, that because that literally happened. And I, I just I had a laugh at that because it it's so that's hilarious. Uh, I remember I got. Uh, what was it? It was a four or five disc DVD player. And I liked that thing because, you know, I could literally put in a series, you right, know, a, right. a trilogy or something and not have to get up to switch it around. And well, I that, still kind of wish I had those these days. Oh, those. Well, you know, that started with a like CD, the, with CD players. Yeah, I had 50 CD players. Right. Yeah. yeah. I had these cartridges where you'd put in like 10 CDs into it and you'd put it in the player yeah. and off you go. You got, you know, it plays 10 and. I actually but that had made more sense than cassette players. I oh, mean, yeah. did, did you ever find an eight track, a, a one that like that, John, where it's a multiple eight track? I've never flips it. For so you? I haven't looked for it, but I I, I don't know if word. you guys remember. I talked about my you know, my radio experience being in the radio station. So we used what were called cart yeah. cart systems, and cart systems were basically eight tracks. You know, slightly different. It may have been the Betamax version of of eight tracks, but anyway. You had it had multiple. Um, what you show, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so they had multiple where you could put in like like ten ten carts into it, and then when you were doing an advertisement, you would just it's like a physical button you would push. You'd push. Okay, the hot clock says that at ten after you play cart number five, and you would push it. And it would play the commercial. And uh, so they did have multiple players, and they did have multiple A-track players, too. So I found, if you Google it, if you Google uh, multi-A-track player, RCA, it's called the, the one that came up was the RCA 8-track player 
tape changer. There's one, two, three, four, five, eight tracks. It actually looks like an old school microwave. <laughs> um, doesn't it? It looks like a microwave to me. It reminds me of something. Yeah, like, it does kind of look like a microwave. It looks like something your grandma would have, you know, because the last time she bought one was in the 80s. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what a struggle these, these kids today aren't going to realize is, is having to have your music in your trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, or, yeah. or the, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had in, in my first vehicle, I bought a 12 disc CD changer. You had so many CDs, you had to write a list because you could never remember what fucking CDs you put in That's there. That's before the, you know, they come up on the screen and yeah. tell you which, yeah, exactly. I, I do think, and I'm going to take it just a little bit serious because I, I feel this this is within my bailiwick. Oh, no. Here we is, go. Is I think the one thing people are going to have issues with when things get older is realizing the limitations of digital audio, you know, having MP3s and, like, all these all these digital what formats. limitations? It's perfect. What are you talking about? Yeah, until well, okay, it's everywhere. Look, I, I get what you're saying about MP3s uh, having a, like a compression issue. Well, I'm not even talking uh, about like the compression because there's there's honestly there's there's formats out there that sound better than getting on CD, but it's a difference between physical media and digital media. Mm. Between actually having a physical copy that as long as you have a player, you'll always be able to play whether it's two years from now or forty years from now versus. All you, you mean need my is, iTunes isn't going to be around for the next 40 years? I no, mean, I put it's, all, all music there. It's just, I mean, it's a matter of just, you know, losing a DRM or, or something happens. And then, and that's one of the reasons I actually love the fact records are making a comeback is people realize, hey, there's something about collecting these big giant discs that rotate. Right. Yeah. And, and I think there's kind of an ebb and flow to that sort of collecting thing and and um, even even kids are, are, are like, like, oh no, I want to have the liner notes and, and you know, the thing that comes with the album and stuff like that. And, uh, well, well, that's, isn't that partly why vinyl's making a comeback? I mean, yeah, yeah for sure. It's well, the, and it's a lot the of music is sold. Yeah. Like you, you buy the CD, you buy the album, you have that. You never have to take it out of the cellophane because it comes with a digital coupon. Right. right. So you download it onto your iTunes or whatever, cause you bought the album and you have the physical one. Um, you know, on whatever format you bought it on. So that's what they do with CDs nowadays. I couldn't the the last. <laughs> I haven't bought a CD in years. I've bought more records in the last five years. Um, and we're gonna take this back to we're all talking about my lovely little boy uh, <laughs> smashing my record player. <laughs> Is that how all this started? Yes. Boy, that was quite, um, quite my, the circle. My my favorite album of all time was Days of Future Past by Moody Blues. Mint condition. <laughs> Vintage. <laughs> Did he scratch it? Scratched it. He scratched I got it. a scratch from stem Ooh. to stern. And <laughs> and I was, that was one of those minutes. If, if y'all haven't listened to that album, it, it block out a period of time to listen to it from, from the last track. <laughs> but you got to wear headphones. Or really yeah, loud speakers. for fucking sure. The Moody Blues is quite orchestral, and, oh, and you really need the, you really the, do. The, you the need the nuance of it. Days of Future, it's, it's an amazing album, and it's something... You'll never get today on a commercial on uh, on uh, a band as big as Moody Blues. Um, you'll never get that type of record on there. Um, I would even say yeah, same thing for uh, um, Jethro Tull. You'll never get a, another Aqualung album. Well, so, so there's a lot of iconic albums and bands that you could probably go along and say that that you know, never will be. But so there, here, here's the problem. I mean. How easy is it to say you're you're a rock band and hey, I need this orchestra to come in and lay down these these tracks, right? Because I'm going to add them to an album. 
mm-hmm. and you know, and so it, it comes down the the money, it comes down the time, it comes down to you know the recording time and everything. So everything's gotten yeah. so much more expensive. Was it Jack White? There's one yeah. of these. There's one of these musicians, and for the life of me, I don't remember who. I was thinking it might be Jack White or another guy like him that knows so many like instruments. Like you know, he would just like. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the first Foo Fighters album was mm-hmm. like that, where he just does everything One himself. One guy lays all the down. It's There's been a number of guys that are well, Jack just, White oh, does that a so lot. Tell, but, Boston. The, the Boston, the first album was done by one guy. Yeah. But that's back in the day on like a four track. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the thing is, you know, back in the day, like you were saying, Rob, if you, you had a band and whatever that band, they, whatever that band's talents were, those, those were your assets. Right. We have a guy that plays bass. We have a guy that plays guitar, and he plays a bunch of different types of guitars. So if you want a banjo, some 12-string uh, steel guitar, you know, he's got that covered. Our percussion, uh, you know, our drummer is a pretty good percussionist, so he can fuck around with some, some, some different stuff. <laughs> but if you didn't have access to those instruments or to, to that particular style of sound, it was not listed amongst your assets. Right. You I... know, nowadays it's like, hey, I, I, play, I play the drums. Uh, John, you play the guitar. James plays the bass, and we have Pro Tools. <laughs> right? Can it be more funny? So guys, James- the limit. Can, yeah, it's true. Can Can James play the stand up bass? Because that's that that visual is more funny. That would be fucking hilarious. Um, what, what would be great is if he was still in his chair, though. Yeah. And we had like him sitting in the chair, and we had like a pit that was dug in front of him. For the <laughs> that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> that's a like bad we idea. we don't put him up on a thing. We just bury the bass in the ground a little bit. It's it's like the reverse kiss platforms. Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's hilarious. I, there is one instrument I wish I understood why every certain music in that the genre does is I don't get the sitar. Every that's trust I, me, hardly anybody gets a sitar. <laughs> you have to be on a, a severe amount of drugs. Yeah. or from the continent of India. Exactly. Every store I've ever been to that has a sitar music playing also has incense burning, and I'm always wondering where, did, what Twilight Zone <laughs> episode did I walk into? You know. Well, you could basically blame the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, I well, blame for, them for, for a lot of things. For being popular at all, because other than being in India, you never heard it. That's the, well. That's the thing is the Beatles right. basically brought it into mainstream because exactly. they went all fucking hippie Dalai Lama grew the hair out long and you know George Harrison was like you guys gotta fucking hear this sitar set. Yep, that's exactly what happened, and I think that may I have been the first time I even heard a sitar was was. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was the first yeah. time most people did. Well, I mean, if it's George Harrison, then then I can't really blame him, considering I've always heard he was the only really nice Beatle. <laughs> well. My uh, understanding. No, I, think, I think Ringo, you know, knew his knew his place pretty well. Oh my! My favorite. Oh, yeah. By the way, my favorite line about the Beatles. Well, Ring, uh, was it George Harrison? He's not even the best drummer in the band. Yeah, I forgot who it was. Oh, yeah, was it, the, uh, the the classic was uh, is, is Ringo the, uh, the the greatest drummer in the world. Yeah, he's not even the greatest drummer in the Beatles. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's pretty tough. I'm poor, poor Ringo. You know what? And and I'll tell you what. I'm sure he takes all of that shit in good stride because. Yeah, he's, he's a billionaire. A Why not? Drummer. I would too. <laughs> yeah, that, well, and he's and he's really he's a really underrated drummer. But you know? he, that he is, what, and what, you know why, right? He's a he's a lefty playing a right set. That I didn't know. You guys didn't know that. Right. Well, not okay. to mention his his internal metronome is is 
fucking ridiculous. Like Kurt oh, yeah, Hawkins, really like the, the 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 Foo Fighter drummer. Yeah. I, so so one of the things why Ringo always looks so awkward is simply because that's what happened. He's he's a left-handed musician playing a right-handed set. That's what he was introduced to. That's what he, he got used to. But it looks very awkward, and people always thought that's why he was such a lousy drummer. But he wasn't. It wasn't that well, lousy. And it's also because the music that the Beatles were playing did not require no. <laughs> more drums than what were being played. So it's not like he got a big chance to show off a bunch. Well, you know, you he know? didn't do, there was none of these 10 minutes, 15 minutes solo, drum solo stuff right. that a lot yeah. of these bands are doing, right? And well, but if Ringo you, really exactly. didn't do that. Well, if you take if a look at like Geezer. Deep Purple, he would have been able to, you know, rock some shit out. Right. Or like, or like you know, uh, Geezer Butler of Black Sabbath, where the dude is, you know, a legitimate drum major, you know, has these giant gongs and, or the dude from right. rush who you're watching the first intro to his song and like i'm already tired <laughs> yeah, but, okay. you know and but that's my point is that, that rush that type of band lent itself to like hey look we're gonna have a 14 minute song we need to fill this shit out hey what can you do like yeah. well i can i got 40 fucking four drums over here yeah, i can just, i can kill some time if that's what you're looking for just, put, just mic me and i'm off it explains know? why the yeah, only I have song 19 symbols like what do you want <laughs> it explains why the only song most people know of them is tom sawyer so because <laughs> it's you know the only radio friendly so you, you talk about um yeah i'm never a fan of rush honestly <laughs> what surprises me about the beatles and we're, we're really coming to a close but i was just looking at their wikipedia entry so according to this they were only active from 1960 to 1970 yeah so, you want to feel like so, an underachiever just remember that the beatles did everything they've ever recorded before they were 30 well don't see what amazes me so they were roughly they say uh, between 10 to 12 years as beatles as as the beatles but the band themselves was incredibly revolutionary if you ask anybody after the beatles they're like oh yeah yeah it, it's the beatles it's the beatles so and it's just amazing so, to me about right. that only being the, the only one in the audience here <laughs> who, who got to understand that, well, who the heck are these guys? Because the first time that we ever really got to hear the Beatles in the United States was on the Ed Sullivan show. If I don't know if you guys know the, the, Ed, show. the Ed Sullivan show. I've actually, show. see, I, I used to have all of the tapes. Yeah. Okay. So that was the introduction somewhere in the early 60s. I want to say 64, 65, maybe? 64, uh, yeah, when, 64? They, when they made their, their U.S. Uh, debut. Okay. By early 64, the Beaters were international stars leading the British invasion of the United States yeah, pop market okay. by breaking numerous, numerous sales so, records. So, you know, being in that world of music a little bit and that whole thing, and all of a sudden there's these these guys from England that come over in, with this weird name of an insect, being honest. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and they're... And they're they're all cute and shit. And yeah. did, they, did, did you guys just look at them like a boy band? Like it, how we would look at like the Jonas Brothers of, or something it, like that? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, James, uh, uh, Ryan, I know people that will kill you right now just for that <laughs> statement alone. That's well, hilarious. Well, you know, it was, it was interesting because, <laughs> uh, you know, you, first of all, for many of us, uh, to really hear their music, because the way it was being broadcast either over radio or television always was a bunch of screaming girls in the background yeah, right. it was really difficult yeah. right because everything was live that they were doing there there wasn't a whole lot of tape stuff that was being played uh until they started getting some uh recording uh on the radio and then you then you could start hearing some of the music and what it was all about so it was uh it was very interesting very very interesting period of time for music to you know you think of uh Oh my God! What? Uh, uh, oh, come on! I just lost it. The White what? Album? 
Now, besides the Beatles, we had on television the monkeys. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, the so, monkeys. So yeah. they put the monkeys together and you got the, them. Uh, the, the true mon- boy band. The monkeys were, and that was your true, that's right. That was your, uh, probably the very first true boy band were the monkeys. And when you say they put together the monkeys. Right. They being basically a corporation was like, we need an answer to the Beatles. And they basically hodgepodge together the monkeys. So uh, um, a semi-modern day equivalent of that would be like the Spice Girls. You're talking about like the 98 Degreeses. Those were like manufactured. Well, in a way, yes. In a way. It was, yes, yeah, in a way. So it was a, a some producers that, that say, hey, we've got an idea. We're going to put together uh, this band, uh, you know, and we're going to make this music. And they knew what kind of music they wanted to make, and they were looking for particular, you know, some particular people to do it. And you we know, they- have one musician and three other adorable people. <laughs> pretty much, uh, pretty Peter Tork just died not too long ago, too. Actually, uh, you know who it would suck to be the most, Peter Best. Peter Best. Well, Peter Best, everybody, everybody always said for, you know, I bet to his dying day, he went, God damn it. I could have been a Beatle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm but, sorry. I couldn't, I'm I couldn't sorry. resist. I, I, I didn't resist. But anyway, that was the first, and, and you know, surprisingly enough, what was funny is you do realize the monkeys actually sold more albums than the Beatles in the early, in the uh, early, late sixties. Uh, they outsold the Beatles, which was interesting. I I could believe that because they also had a a, a, a giant marketing machine. Well, they had a marketing machine on them. They had a TV show. They had all kinds well, of things. Well, and going on. not to mention the Beatles kind of set the stage for it a little bit. You know, when when Beatlemania was a thing, no one ever seen really anything like that before. Well, in America. Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, we have Elvis. <laughs> it really started with okay, Elvis. Yeah, little but, Richard. Okay, but yeah, but, uh, Elvis, sure. But it was a different era where where the people that were going fucking crazy, yeah, it was still a bunch of, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old girls. Well, yeah, you didn't um, you'd have these girls passing out because they were screaming so for an hour. You, the, most, the, yeah, most, right. the most interesting thing about all of that is I heard somebody make a comment, what I've never heard, and I heard this like 10, 15 years ago, was the worst part of the entire thing was for the janitor. Because apparently what happened is all these screamer girls eventually, and this is a little gross, they'd have their bowels would just release. Like you said, you said some of these, these guys would have to clean up these studios. They said it was incredibly disgusting just because there was, you know, urine and all over the floor. Because these, these girls and these guys are, would be screaming so hard that just they'd have a release. I always wanted to know how they could hear the music. You're screaming so loud you couldn't hear it. That was before oh, monitors, yeah. too. No, if, uh, yeah. I'm sure you can go to YouTube and find the Ed Sullivan appearance, the first one. Oh, and yeah. And all, all of the cutaways to the audience, which there were many, I mean, were, I mean, pandemonium barely described it. I know. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, on the and, best... and Ed didn't get it at all. Really? <laughs> I mean, he was kind of going, well, it's the Beatles. What you kids have been clamoring for. I don't. On, on the best thing, at least the Beatles never had to make sure their, their instruments were in tune because I guarantee the audience couldn't hear what wouldn't they were playing. No, right? it did not matter. Wouldn't if, matter. If they played a wrong note, they wouldn't notice. No. It's not like nowadays where you, you watch Metallica and everybody's going, you see that Lars hit the wrong tom. <laughs> Which, if you guys ever watch that, if you ever watch like some of these live concert videos, look in the comments because oh. you you see a lot of that time. Like you see that screwed up on two forty five. It meant to be this instead of that. You're like the dude fucking wrote the song. Shut up. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's a bit of that, you know. <laughs> oh, that's you know why what, I don't though, read like, comments. Yeah, there's there's that too. Just don't but do very it. few people, especially when you're playing live and before you're enormous and all of your stuff is being, you know, picked apart on YouTube forever. You know, back in the day, <laughs> if, if you made a mistake, I promise you, you were the only one that noticed. That's right. The, the greatest, you know, and you noticed. You're you're pissed. You knew off. it. You knew it. But hey, you know, like I can't believe I fucking blew that note <laughs> or that hit or whatever. And you you know your bandmates are looking at you like, dude, I didn't even notice. You you played a wrong note. My my favorite experience in that is there's a band called a Pop Tigma Berserk. They're a European band somewhere, and they were in San Francisco. So a buddy and I went to to a bar in San Francisco to actually see him play. And I was expecting a techno set because they're the techno band. Um, like they had like bands like uh, albums like Welcome to Earth. Not if you guys care, but if you do take a look, they played a hard rock version of the album. And it was a techno album. Hmm. And it was one of those times that was the, the, the first time I, I remember going, this is badass. I, I, I wish they sold copies of that night because this is good complete- to know they could do that. Yeah, I didn't because you, you always hear all these, 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 you know, they have drum machines and all these yeah. beats and They're all electronic these electronic metronomes. It was amazing. It, it was, I was blown away just thinking this was, wasn't was I was expecting, but fuck, can I get a copy? <laughs> Well, that's good. It just means they were probably true musicians after all, and not just sure. spinning dials. Oh, that was there's there's skill in that. I mean, Paris Hilton apparently is a pretty good DJ. <laughs> oddly enough, you know that brings up a really good question, and and maybe there's something with me that I just don't get it. Why are there DJs that are as famous as as big bands, and they're just a DJ? I mean, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say just, but I mean, are they just that fantastic of putting music together or what? So some of the stuff is definitely produced by the particular DJ, um, you know, to, 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 to more or less of an extent, you know what I mean? It, it, it obviously runs a spectrum on, on what's sampled, what's not, what's just, you know, sort of mixed together. So if you're big nowadays doesn't mean like the guy just knows how to flow one particular song into the next it's like a whole you know sort of produced thing um but also it's changed from you know being able to to have different sort of samples and different you know beats and whatnot backing tracks on two turntables with a you know with a microphone and some space so then what now it's very ultra produced and you're just kind of hitting play and well, you I'm not, so, so if you're a well-known DJ, you're a big-name DJ, then in, other words, in, a, in a way you're a producer, that you've gotten music to put together for you to play and be the DJ. Yeah, again, to to a lesser extent or more extent. It, it, it kind of depends on the <laughs> DJ. Um, Brian, you sound as confused as Rob. <laughs> I mean, really, like it's, it's I'm a, just trying it's to figure a, it out. I don't get <laughs> it. I, it. I just don't. I, it's know. a complicated thing. I'm all I'm trying to explore. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, because DJs, I mean, we, we, we actually were over, but a DJ to me was like the, the guy who was the backing the, or like Spinderella in TLC or the guy in the Beastie Boys. Uh, to me, that's always a DJ or the, 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 the Asian dude in Linkin Park. To me, those are DJs. But then you see people. Um, oh, there's a there's a guy who has like a Mickey Mouse head. Is it Dead Mouse or Dedimus or whatever you say? Like he's a DJ that's oh. super famous. And there's a couple yeah. other ones like and Marshmallow and. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're talented, but to me, just because of how I grew up, I'm thinking, okay, a true musician is, is like, you know, like 
guys from the 60s. And, and to me, so so it is a little bit of a, a trip to see these guys who have legitimate talent to understand music theory and how stuff works, but it's okay. it's a trip. All right, I just, I'm just trying to, I'm still trying to digest that a little bit. Because, uh, yeah, yes, yes. I don't get it either. Okay, thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay. You know, I, I, I spent 20 years playing music, and I was trying to figure out all those, all those years in music theory in school and playing instruments, trying to figure out, this guy just comes up and spins records and does, and he's popular. So, so I, I, multi-million-dollar famous, Rob. That's yeah, what he is. That's so, what's, that's got it, man. It just like I don't. I'm lost. So, so does this mean that we're is. officially old? I guess James and I are anyway. Well, well, I haven't been. I haven't understood this since they started doing DJ <laughs> well, guys, either. and I'm just like, what do you do? I guess if if anything that I said gave the impression that my knowledge of this is isn't isn't cursory at best, then <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Ryan. Nobody's calling you an expert on that. Oh, well, good. So <laughs> I fucking yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. Well, he was just trying to help me out. I really do appreciate that. Well, but I'm still lost. And I'll tell you what, that is the extent of my uh, my understanding on it. Honestly, <laughs> I like. Okay. I've seen ones that have more or less talent on theory, and they're actually musicians, but then they choose to do this as, as a craft of it. Well, what and the hell if they can't make just, money? Yeah. I, they, what the, I, don't, I mean, right. Exactly. It's just I, I chalk it up to I don't need to get it. Yeah. You know? I, I feel kind of weird know, being it, the, the quasi-expert. Because it's like, it seems like they don't understand actual music, but they apparently do because they still do it. And I'm still like, I, I haven't seen you do anything of talent i've seen you just mix other people's talent together and make money i well if you listen to edm and house music and trance and all that there's legitimate skill but it's a different skill and 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 so for me even though even though i actually like it in the back of my mind i'm such a music snob um that i'm just kind of it's still kind of i'm, I'm like the old guy going mm where's the music making but it's understanding beat and music structure yeah, and I and when, when they're blending so there is music stuff in there but it's a different skill and and that's if if for some reason it's just splicing. if if for yeah, some reason i mean yeah I, yeah I don't know you know what it probably started way back when we, you know when they when producers finally started putting albums together and they would have the you know and the individual artists come in and lay a track down usually it started with the rhythm track so it could have been a drum beat or a bass whatever They'd lay a track down, and then the next guy comes in, and he lays the track down with him, and then the next guy. And like you the have, chipmunks. Well, yeah, I mean, in, in essence, that what, that's what happened. I mean, you took, instead of a band, you had individual uh, musicians just laying down tracks. They put it all together, and there's your album. And I always kind of had a little problem with that. And that you know, yes, you probably got the best sound. Yes, that was, you know, that's not an unheard of way of doing it. It's still very, very common, obviously, but it's just like, it's just not the same as getting the whole band together. All right, we're going to do this song and, you know, good, bad or ugly, they're going to get it done and, and it takes 40 takes to do it, but they get it. This is actually one of the reasons, and, and we got to go because this is over. One of the reasons I totally respect Foo Fighters because um, they record the tape. Yeah, good uh, for them. Because um, a lot of people record to Pro Tools, and you can edit and splice everything. Um, right. Google, go to Google, uh, YouTube, and type in Foo Fighters. There's an episode there in the making on one of their albums on making it to tape. And one of the reasons why I actually think Dave Grohl is one of the most underappreciated musicians in history. And there's a ton of people that love him, but I think him and Jack White are totally unappreciated for what they bring to 
musicians. Yeah. And I'm not a Jack White yeah. fan. Really? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of his. No. But oh, I shit. Oh man, I fucking love that guy to death. But I totally <laughs> I I, I I love his what he does. Just his some of his stuff isn't really my thing, even though I like the Seven Nations Army. So Ladies and gentlemen, as I just named the most famous, one of the most famous songs that everybody yeah. knows he does. Yes. Um, it's like naming, hey, I love Kiss is uh, 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 one of Kiss's like Detroit Rock City. That wasn't the one I was going to name. but uh, So ladies and gentlemen, for the California Pariah, Jonathan Charney, James the Fat Man, Stevens, Ryan, who the fuck is that? Preston and the old guy. He went from who the hell to who the, oh, never mind. And, and the old guy. It's got a name. It, oh, um, um, uh, well, All ladies right, and gentlemen, right. I, I, yeah, we're having technical, now, John. <laughs> as always, thank you for listening Bye. in three, two, one. Welcome to the mad.